0: Hello out there and welcome to Epic Episode 28 of Random Song Encounters. Yes, you found us. Uh, You've entered our diatribe free zone this week where here we only indulge in good vibes and cool music. So what else can you ask for? Uh, Maybe a cocktail here and there, but hey, you know, we'll work on that. Once again, sending this out to you from our so-called SoCal Desert Happy Place. Sounds uh, like the West Coast is getting uh, a little drenched uh, by the latest storm passing through, but uh, out here looking out the window, uh, nothing much happening except uh, some dark stuff uh, in the sky so far. So uh, maybe we'll get something, maybe we won't, but uh, hey, can always use a little rain in the desert. We're up to episode 28, as I mentioned, and uh, we're naming this one, I'm Your Pioneer course not in the sense of something like the donner party who were headed out west back in the old western days and became stranded in the dead of winter and resulted in cannibalism and all died you know uh nothing like that you know we're more pioneering like uh pioneering thoughts and uh, new ways to learn about and enjoy great music that's what we're here for and it's random you know, we're, we're spanning seven decades here, which uh, you don't find ever uh, really on any other podcast. I'm your guide, Gene Vincent, and uh, I'm here as your guide. Keep you in the keeping this wagon train on the right path. We've got a ton of great tracks for you as usual this week. So let's jump right into segment one. Start off with something from 1980 uh, written about the Hollywood Boulevard. Here you go. See you on the other end.
1: i so- And, uh, Pajama
0: get you because i'm a pioneer (laughs) there you go segment one in the books random song encounters episode 28 and talk about random that's uh those five songs span seven decades from 1967 through this year 2024 so let's go back to the beginning of the segment see what we covered Uh, we started off with jackson brown out of l.a his song, Boulevard, off his 1980 LP, Holdout, which was his sixth. Uh, he started out at the age of 16 writing songs for others. Uh, some folks like Nico of, uh, oh, God, I'm losing my mind. Uh, uh, Nitty Gritty Bert Dirt Band, which he was a member of for a very short period of time. Even the Eagles. Uh, he co-wrote Take It Easy, uh, early, you know, one of the early tunes or big hits in their, their career. Then he decided to go off and, you know, write for himself and ended up getting a deal and released his self-titled debut back in 1972 when he was about 24. Uh, This particular album, Hold Out, is his only album to date to reach number one on the Billboard charts. Uh, The song itself, as I mentioned, uh, uh, is about Hollywood Boulevard in particular. He used to live nearby Hollywood Boulevard uh, uh, and around that scene. when he was you know, you know, just getting started in the music business, as a, as a lot of uh, folks do that are trying to get into music or film or whatever it might be, uh, entertainment genre. The uh, song is about uh, runaways and the Hollywood Boulevard scene uh, uh, when he was living there. Uh, there's this, used to be, I assume it's gone by now, but a place called Gold Cup where a lot of teen runaways would hang out and uh uh you know just a bad scene. Uh, Jackson Brown's last LP, uh, he's still out there making music, touring, was released and he released an LP in 2021 and he just uh completed a tour uh last year 2023. Uh so uh check him out, you know, still putting out music. Um uh, you know, a lot of great old stuff in particular that uh, that I really like, but I uh, wanted to play that one for you. After that, uh, we heard from Black Lab out of Berkeley, California, and their song, Time Ago, from their 1997 LP, Your Body Above Me, which was their debut. Uh, they formed in 1996, and the band name comes from uh, a couple of their their musical influences that uh, they they really enjoyed. It's a combination of Black Sabbath. And Stereo Lab, so they took the two names, kind of merged them together, and came up with Black Lab. Paul Durham is the founding member of the group and the front man. Uh, he writes most of the material and and, uh, and is the lead vocalist. And uh, like I said, another one of those groups, uh, you know, 1997, not that long ago. So they're still out there touring, releasing new music, uh, great stuff. And uh, the latest. Music I think they put out was just last year in 2023, so uh, fairly new stuff. I haven't heard it yet, but I'll have to check it out. After that, we went all the way back to 1966 and a group called The Seeds, also out of LA. Uh, we're hitting California here pretty hard right off the bat. Uh, their song Pushing Too Hard uh, from their debut LP as well, called The Seeds. They formed in 65 uh, out of a breakup. Of a prior short-lived band that a couple of members were in called Amoeba, not to be uh, you know, uh, associated with Amoeba music, but uh, so the group was called Amoeba. Uh, they began rehearsing and initially played regular gigs at a club in LA called Beatolitos. Uh, I'm sure that's not around any, lo- any longer. Uh, the band is one of the first to use a keyboard bass instead of a regular bass guitar. It uh, became more famous Later on in the 60s, or you know, right right behind that, uh, by Ray Manzarek, uh, as of the Doors, uh, they, they famously used the the keyboard bass instead of a, having a bass guitar player. Uh, the front man of the group, Sky Saxon, vocal style, uh, and you might hear a little bit of of that in this particular song. is was influenced by Mick Jagger of the Stones. Um, the group parted ways in 1970. Uh, But they have since reunited, and they're out touring around. uh, So you can catch them here and there, uh, although it doesn't include Sky Saxon, uh, uh, who passed away in 2009. But they're still out there touring. And they they actually released new music, I think, it looks like 2021. They released a single. So check them out, Pushing Too Hard by the Seeds. After that, uh, we heard something a little southern-tinged, but not from the south. A uh, group called Delaney and Bonnie, also out of L.A., "Coming Home" was the name of the track off their 1970 LP, D and B Together, uh, which was their seventh LP. They are a husband and wife team, Delaney and Bonnie Bramlett, and they front the, the name of their group. Uh, they is called was called Delaney and Bonnie and Friends uh, from just a short period of time, 1969-1970 kind of period. Uh, they called Delaney and Bonnie and friends because they didn't have a regular band that uh, backed them up. They, they had regular changes of personnel and famous personnel at that that, that supported them uh, throughout their, their short career. Uh, they had folks like, you know, Dwayne and Greg Allman, Eric Clapton, George Harrison, Leon Russell, who we talked about before, Dave Mason, Steve Howe from the S, Rita Coolidge, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, so they they had a lot of a lot of support in their, in there during their short career. Uh, Delaney Bramlett and Leon Russell uh, got together to put this thing together. They both had connections from a lot of prior work they had done with prior bands and projects, and decided to put something together and build it around Delaney and Bonnie. Um, although short lived, and, and kind of this album is kind of the name of the album is kind of. You know, weird in that uh, it's the last of the new material that they ever released, and they s- divorced soon after it was released. So, you know, go figure. But uh, Delaney and Bonnie, check them out. They got a lot of good, a uh, lot of good music. Uh, Eric Clapton was a big, big fan, and and uh, actually co-wrote this particular song. So, check them out. Uh, last but not least, in this particular segment, we heard from a band called the No Good Crowd out of Philadelphia. And their song "Pioneer," for which we named our episode this week after, uh, it's a brand, brand, brand spanking new track, 2024, non-album single. As a matter of fact, they don't haven't released any albums yet. They've really, they've only released two singles, this being the second. They formed in uh, just last year in 2023, and uh, again out of a breakup of a prior band, uh, the called Cordelene, who some of you, you know, knew were. You know, kids uh, associated with some of the newer music may have heard of. Uh, Like I say, they're brand spanking new. Uh, This particular song, though, is a cover from uh, an original by the same name, pioneered uh, from a group from Boston called The Bags, uh, back from 1987. Uh, They were a popular, popular group back in the East Coast, but never never made it big. Uh, One of the members of this band, uh, the No Good Crowd, was back visiting in Boston and heard it. Either the bags were performing uh, somewhere or heard it from, through someone or at a club or something and brought it back to the band and said, hey, this is a really great track. We should do something this with this and, and record it for ourselves. And uh, they did it and uh, uh, turned out really great. Love it. Uh, so there you have it. Episode one in the books. We're continuing to keep this wagon train on the tracks headed for points unknown, but we're right now. We're going to head right into segment two, and a tune from 1974 um, from a band from L.A., but the song isn't in a, out about L.A. It's about a different city. Here you go. Sean wrong they came to make a bang don't speak by the eagles of death metal segment two closed out there and uh let's start off with that one and and work our way backwards as we usually do uh, segment two Um, eagles of death metal local local here to the desert right next door to us here in palm desert as a matter of fact Um, off their 2006 lp death by sexy uh, which was their second LP, Song Again, Don't Speak, I Came to Make a Bang. Uh, they formed in 1998. A couple of guys, best friends for a long t- period of time. A named Jesse Hughes, who's on guitar and vocal, and Josh Holm on drums, who you uh, likely know, if you know the name, uh, as the front man for Queens of the Stone Age. Um, they are the only two permanent members of the Bang band. <laughs> bang... <laughs> Uh, stuck on bang there. Uh, they're the only two permanent members of the band as they, uh, you know, collaborate with other, other musicians uh, uh, when they go to record. Uh, Josh Holm, you know, plays multiple instru- instruments anyway, but they've collaborated with the likes of uh, Dave Grohl and, and Jack Black and, you know, like say, um, it's an it's a ongoing uh, plethora of uh, musicians that uh, work with them uh, in this particular project. Um, all of the other in- interesting fact fact is even though uh, Josh Holm is a permanent member, of the, one of the only two permanent members of the bang- band, he rarely performs with the band live because of his other commitments with the Queens of the Stone Age. So uh, he's there to record, but they have someone filling in for him when it comes time to, to tour. Uh, they're couple of stories surrounding how the band's band name came to be uh, they're, they're both very similar uh, you know obviously Queens i mean, <laughs> mixing the two bands up Eagles of Death Metal are not a death metal band uh, obviously you can tell by the si- sound if you any, know anything about what death metal is uh, but uh, both, both versions talk about uh, a friend of theirs that uh, brings them a song and says hey uh, have you heard this tune by X, you know, uh, band? Uh, they're they're a death metal band. And they played the song, and Josh Holm will typically say, you know, those guys aren't death metal. They're not even close. They're like the Eagles of death metal. So uh, from that, they, they started thinking about, well, you know what, What would, what would a mixture of the Eagles and death metal sound like? So that's where the band name came from, and that's kind of, if you want to believe that what they're trying to emulate as uh, a cross between the two certainly hard rockin' uh, but lyrically and, and musically uh, you know great tunes as well uh, the band was uh, if you haven't heard you know, way back in 2015 there was the, the uh, uh, Islamic terrorist attack at the Bataclan theater in Paris uh, uh, where about 90 concert goers were killed Uh, eagles of death metal were the band playing there that night Uh, they were just getting ready to start one of their songs uh, when the terrorists stormed the place and like say killed about 90 folks there Uh, the band were able to escape uh, off the back of the stage and then uh, even a couple of them may have hidden in dressing rooms until the police came and uh, uh, evacuated the place but uh, uh, they weren't they they didn't return to paris Uh, it was such a emotional uh, uh, something so emotional to go through that it took them a year before they came back. I think they played, uh, they came on the show invited by u two and played a couple of songs with uh, uh, with you two uh, just to you know just in the return and they vowed to return and play again. Uh, they wanted to play play at the Battle Battle Uh Not sure if they did that because there were some issues between. The band and uh, some, th- some things they said about, uh, you know, uh, the uh, security folks and things of that sort. But uh, uh, they have since returned and played in Paris. Uh, prior to that, we heard the auteurs out of the U.K. and their 1993 song Showgirl off their debut LP called New Wave. Uh, their frontman, Luke Haynes, created the band uh, after he left his prior band called The Servants, and... Uh, they put together a demo tape, uh, played a gig in 1992 at a place called the Houston Reels Club, and out of those two uh, processes, uh, they were able to get a record deal. Uh, an autora, if you don't know, is like into like um, the sole creative force behind a project. So you know, like, it's mostly associated with filmmaking, uh, where like the director is the sole creative force. He may have written the screenplay and and you know of course directed it and maybe he's producing as well you know but, but like say it's more it's a soul creative force like it in, in music it would be someone you know they they write and record and produce and you know do everything associated with so there's nobody else no other outside influences um, the band unfortunately broke up in 1999 uh... but were able to release four lps in the process uh... some good tracks and uh... Good, uh, really nice group out of the, the Brit pop uh, scene back in the 90s. Prior to that, we went to the 80s, 1984 to be exact, and Blanc Mange out of the UK as well. Uh, their song Don't Tell Me, uh, their Mange Trout second LP. They formed in London in 1979, and obviously, well, you can tell by the tune, synth-pop duo. Uh, a couple of guys, Neil Arthur and Stephen Lewis Lescombe, uh, the band name is taken from a dessert, uh, which is like a custard-like thing of uh, <laughs> the same name called Blancmange. Um uh, They signed a recording contract uh, off of exposure they got. Uh, they had submitted a track that was accepted and, and included in a compilation album uh, with various other new, way, new new wave acts at the, peri- at the time, uh, and off of uh, you know somebody got to hold of that heard it and signed them up, and off they went. Uh, This particular album is their most successful uh, release, and the the song in particular goes back and recaptures this kind of Middle Eastern tinge tinge sound uh, that uh, was used uh, originally on their most popular song, uh, some of you may have heard, called Living on the Ceiling. Uh, The band actually broke up in 1986, um, but reformed uh, in the 2000s, late 2000s probably, and uh, they're out there again, uh, back together again, new music and performing. Uh, unfortunately, Stephen Luscombe uh, was forced to leave uh, the band uh, due to health issues. Uh, but, uh, you know, Neil Arthur is still out there touring as Blanc and, uh, you know, him out there. Not sure that he's releasing any more new music as the group, but, but he's still out there touring. After that, or prior to that... We heard, of course, the one and only The Doors, out of L.A. Their 1967 track "Backdoor Man" off their debut album, The Doors. Uh, they formed in '65. Uh, the, you, know, you may or may not know how they they got they came up with the name, but uh, it's from a book called "The Doors of Perception" that they the man named the band or one member at least the man had read, and uh, drew the doors out of that. Uh, the group started. Uh, from a chance meeting between Jim Morrison and Man- Ray Manzarek at Venice Beach, uh, they ran into each other and, and knew of each other uh, from attending UCLA uh, and in class together. Some some classes together, uh, and that they had a conversation, and Jim Morrison confided confided in uh, Ray that he had been writing songs. So Ray, you know, suggested and he said, "Hey, you know, let me see what you got. Uh, sing one for me," and. Uh, Jim broke one out, and uh, uh, Ray was inspired and started thinking, "Hey, this is great! These lyrics are awesome!" And what, what could he possibly do musically to, to make to bring them to the two together? And, and uh, hence, the Doors were born. Um, the original band, uh, once they once they went through a couple of initial lineup changes, uh, started, you know, playing shows around town in L.A. And they they played at originally a little club called. Uh, london fog which is kind of a dive joint from all uh, everything i've i've heard um, doesn't exist any longer but then later on they became the house band at the whiskey a go-go although they were were fired uh, at the end of a uh, right as they started to to, uh, record their first album Uh, and they got a record had a record contract anyway but there was some issue with an extended version of the song the end that they performed and jim morrison Got it went off on a tangent, and uh, the owner of the whiskey didn't take care for it and fired him on the spot. Uh, this particular song, Back Door Man," is a, is a, another cover. It's uh, from 1960, uh, so not that old, but uh, it's it's written by one of the great blues icons, Willie Dixon, and it was originally re- released by and recorded and released by another uh, blues legend, Helen Wolfe. So the Doors took that and made it their own. Uh, you know everybody knows the door story from you know it's it's in hard it's it's been written about it's 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 you know there's movies about it there's documentaries about it uh one of the most influential and controversial bands of the 60s uh mainly due to jim morrison and his lyrics his voice uh as well as his his erratic behavior legal issues and of course his untimely death and the legend you know that goes along with that so uh but hey great track and the doors we had to he knew we were going to get Finnim in there in one of these episodes and uh back to the beginning of segment two we heard from a, another group from LA although again they don't sound like a group from LA they sound like a southern tinged group or uh, named Little Feet and there's Tune O Atlanta uh, from 1974 off their fourth LP called Feets Don't Fail Me Now they formed in 1969 uh they were formed by frontman, you know, uh, a guy named Lowell George. Uh, he, at the time, was in the band, in Frank Zappa's band, Mothers of Invention, and Frank fired him, famously fired him, and there was a couple of versions of why he fired him. One one was like, you know, Frank uh, saw really how good Lowell George was and said, you know, you're too good to be just hanging out as a member of a band and you need to go out and do something for yourself and, and uh, you know, uh, work in, you know, Lead a band, so let him go. And the other one is, the other story is that Lowell um, wrote a song called "Willin'" that was popular by Little Feet, uh That was written about drug use, and, and of course Frank Zappa was famously, you know, not into the drug culture and, and any of that stuff. So he fired him because of that song. Uh, of course, I tend to think more of the first one because you know, at the end of the day, Frank Zappa uh, was instrumental in getting Little Feet a contract and and helping them release their first LP back in 1971 the name of the band Little Feet funny story uh, was uh, came up with uh, by uh, the mother's uh, invention drummer at the time uh, was joking around about Lowell <laughs> George's Little Feet so uh, Lowell took that took the name but changed the spelling uh... in a homage to uh... the Beatles spelling you know the Beatles instead of the B-E-E-T L-E-S they use the B-E-A-T like beat uh... you know beat the drum uh... so uh... little George changed the spelling of feet to F-E-A-T uh, so there you have that little fun fact um, the band is uh... continuing out there record music touring although with a mostly new lineup uh... starting in 1988 uh, Lowell Georgia actually left the group in, in around 96 or so and then passed away in 1979 uh, at the young age of 34 from heart failure. Uh, but like I say, Little Feet, is still uh, as a uh, most of the other band members are still out there touring, they had a new uh, music release in 2020. So there you have it, segment two. And we're still pioneering our way through the episode. And we're all the way to the end, of last segment, segment three, and we're gonna jump right in with a tune from 1993 by Archers of Loaf. Catch you later.
1: Stuck a pin in your backbone, spoke it down. we <laughs>
0: have it segment three in the books put me on a pedestal and I'll only disappoint you great words (laughs) great lyrics great track let's go back to the game segment so we can get to the end of the show Uh, we start off with web in front name of the tune by a group called archers of loaf out of North Carolina Uh, it's off their debut LP uh, called icky melt uh, from 1993 They formed a couple of years prior to that in 91 and uh, actually put it out themselves. They put out a single in 92 and gave it away free uh, with the initial issue of a new political-based magazine out of Brooklyn. I think it was called Stay Free. I don't know that it lasted very long, but uh, hey, it worked for them out of that. They got a record deal. And they released a second single uh, the, the following year. This particular tune, as a matter of fact, was their second single. It came out prior to the release of their of the uh, ninety three LP, Icky Melt. Uh, the album itself recorded in a week, and cost about five grand to make. So you know thrifty guys uh, got it out. Great, great uh, band. Great, great track there. Uh, unfortunately, they broke up about five years later, ninety eight. Uh, but they have reformed uh, in 2011, and they're touring and releasing music. Uh, the last thing they put out was a couple of years ago, 2022. Um, not sure where the name comes from, Archers of Loaf. It's you know pretty obscure, but it kind of keeps with the uh, the band and their quirkiness and you know, their lyrical style and song titles. Even you know they have songs like Hate Paste, Audio Horror, and Vocal Shrapnel. Um, you know. The one uh, line in this particular song uh, that uh, sticks with me, or at least one of them. There's a lot of them in the song. It says, you're not the, the, you're not the one to let me down, but thanks for offering. Uh, great, great song. I wanted to include that one for sure this week. Archers of Loaf, check them out. After that, we went back to 1984 and White Twilly out of Oklahoma originally, but uh, uh, moved, in, moved to L.A., of course, as a lot of folks do uh, for a um, uh, music career. And uh, this is off his third solo LP uh, called Jungle, and the tune's called Girls. Uh, Dwight met another uh, guy uh, called a guy named Phil Seymour uh, in 1967. Another one of those random meetings. They had both been to see the same movie, The Beatles: The Hard Day's Night. Ran into each other, started a conversation. Uh, found they were both, you know, heavy into music and, and writing songs, so they began to write together. And Record Together uh, started a group called Oyster, uh, not their typical spelling. It's O-Y-S-T-E-R instead of the shellfish, uh, O-Y-S-T-E-R. Uh, they eventually decided to move to LA uh, and you know, got a contract with Shelter Records, none other than Leon Russell Danny Cordell, who we've talked about all the way back to episode one, and, and tinged throughout a bunch of the other episodes. Uh, they seemed to surface all over the place. Uh, they immediately changed their name, got away from the oyster, and t- called it Dwight Twilley Band, which kind of uh, didn't sit well with Phil Seymour, and kind of was I don't know the reason uh, they eventually split up uh, a few years later in '78. Uh, Twilley went on to start his own solo career, as did um, as did Phil Seymour, who had uh, a couple of hits on his own. Um, Twite's released over 20 LPs over the years through 2014, but uh, uh, he had, did pass away last year in 2023 from stroke. So uh, sorry to see him go, but uh, hey, great tunes here. Uh, he had another great song. I think his biggest hit calls, It's called I'm on Fire, I think it was. But uh, there you go, Twite Twilly. After that, we heard from Donovan out of Scotland and his tune Barabajagal. Off the 1990 1969 LP of the same name, Brad, Brad Juggle, which was his seventh. His uh, real name is Donovan Leach, uh so you can search him through that. But his, his stage name is, is simply Donovan. Uh, he began playing guitar around 14 and uh, was influenced by his his family's love of folk music. So he he kind of morphed into the folk music music world because of that. Uh, dropped out of high school, art school. Uh, uh, early on, and decided to go on the road and live a beatnik life. Uh, so he spent months and months uh, playing in clubs and began writing his own songs until 1964, uh, when he finally got a, uh, a contract uh, in the music business. Um, his music became associated with kind of the whole 60s, late 60s uh, flower power movement, and he was he was really involved in that. Uh, this sound, this particular. Uh, this song and, and a few of his other songs from this album in particular were uh, produced from at least one session where Donovan was actually the fronted by uh, the fronted the Jeff Beck group band. Um, the title was made up uh, from a name of, for well, it was meant to be the name of a seductive lover mentioned in the song and is taken from the phrase, goo goo From the Beatles song, I Am the Walrus. So he kind of took that phrase, goo goo kajoob, and and turned it into baraba jaggle. There they go, goo goo baraba jaggle in the song all throughout the tune. Uh, In addition uh, to the Jeff Beck group that he was fronting at the time, uh, Nicky Hopkins, famous uh, session keyboard player, was on the track, as well as uh, uh, Susie Quattro, who had a great solo career in her own right, uh, and providing backing vocals on that track. Uh, Donovan's still out there making music as of 2022 and and still performing. So, uh, you know, if you're into the folk music, he's got a lot of, I mean, he was big, big, big in the 60s and 70s, Uh, tons of hits, you know, Atlantis and, uh, you know, the rest don't come to me right off the top of my head, but, you know, just a a ton of hits uh, through that period of time and a really big artist. After that, we went to 1978 and a group called 999 out of the UK and their song homicide from their 78 uh... LP their second LP called separates uh... they formed in 76 uh... two brothers uh, in stardom it's a family kind of a family thing uh, a guy named nick cash and guy days uh, they placed an ad for band members to uh... to you know pick up some other folks to 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 contribute in the band and famously turned down some really big what turned out to be some really big names uh, Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders uh, was turned down. John Moss, Culture Club, who later called later, Culture Club, was also turned down. And then Tony James, who ended up in Generation X, all were turned down as part of uh, uh, trying to fill the spots for 999. The band name is taken from uh, UK, U, the U.K.'s equivalent uh, of the our, what we call in the U.S., the 911 emergency call. In the U.K., it's 999. So that's... Uh, that was an easy one. Uh, they actually financed their own first single and got a re- record uh, contract as a result of the, you know, how well it, uh, it did out uh, in sales. Uh, in the U.S., the album is, uh, is, goes under a different name. So if you're looking for separates, it might be hard to find if you're in the U.S. Uh, it's actually called High Energy Plan here. It's got a different cover from the separates, cover from the U.K., and there's even a couple of different tracks uh, they swapped a couple of the tracks out in the U- in the U.S. version versus the original U.K. version. Uh, the band actually broke up twice during the 80s, but have since reformed, and there's another one of those bands that are still out there recording and touring, so uh, check them out again, uh, 999. And then to close out the show, uh, we ended up with uh, Australian artist Courtney Barnett. Uh, and her song Pedestrian at Best off her 2015 LP Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit which was her debut uh, her debut LP she re- released a couple of uh, EPs prior to that uh, she actually worked as a pizza delivery driver in in Australia while pursuing her music career uh, she played in, in several bands from 2010 to 2013 until she was able to to release her own first EP on her own label, she got the money to uh, to uh, start her own label and release this EP from money she borrowed from her grandmother, uh, and she got an r- actual uh, record deal to follow that up in two thousand thirteen. And from there, released a second LP, and then finally this uh, the fr- this first LP. This particular track was was written virtually at the last minute of the, during the recording sessions for the album. Uh, took about eight days to to record the album and uh, the recorded version was actually the first time she sang the lyrics out loud so that's it was like last minute they threw it together they sang it and she sang it and that was the track they used so uh, the album title another little funny story the album title itself uh, is inspired by a poster uh, she saw hanging in her grandmother's bathroom one of those little ditties when you're looking around the bathroom and you see these little posters and you know they have those or whether in the kitchen uh, little little phrases that hang around there. But uh, this one came out of her grandmother's bathroom. I uh, actually saw Courtney Barnett at Coachella right after this album was released the, the following year in 2016, uh, uh, and she put a you know great great. High energy show together, uh, just just loved it. And uh, you know, the three piece. It was her on guitar, and then she had a drummer and a bass player, and uh, they really rocked it. Um, she actually has tour dates already set for early 2024 in the spring. She's going to be visiting at least in the U.S. She's going to be visiting like South Carolina, Texas, Utah, and California. She's playing, uh, I think, a date uh, in Redondo Beach in early May, something like that. But uh, You know, if you haven't seen Courtney Barnett, Barnett, check her out. Uh, She's uh, great to see live. And there you have it. Episode 28, I'm your pioneer in the books. Let's move on and close this thing out. All right, there you have it. Thank you for joining us this week, episode 28. I'm your pioneer as we wound our way through the, <laughs> through the forests and the trees and the, the plains and the, the waters and wherever else, trying to stray on the, stay on the straight and narrow, headed west to uh, find our fortune and fame and uh, a little land whatever whatever we can make out of our, our pioneer trip uh, with the wagon train. So uh, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Uh, like as usual, if you've got any, th- any suggestions, please uh, let us know. We love to hear from you. And uh, looking forward to bringing Episode 29 to you next week. So uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And as usual, remember, don't forget to share the good stuff. Bye for now.